0: Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for these guys, um, uh, the new ones and the ones that have been here forever. God, thank you for the reports on Mission Trip, the opportunities we have uh, for a fishing trip and just a guy's weekend. Um, uh, Just, uh, uh, God, as we look around at the world of sports and uh, politics and Uh, There's a lot to laugh about. There's a lot to cry about. Uh, There are certainly seasons of great joy and seasons of great difficulty in all of our lives. And so as we talk today, I pray that we would as men, uh, strong men, uh, know how to handle uh, bitter situations in the bitter waters of life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. You know, as Norman Vincent Peale uh, a number of years ago uh, said, the only people who don't have problems are those who are in the cemeteries. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of truth to that. Um, and John Wooden, how many of you remember John Wooden? I know he's some of y'all. Some of y'all, yeah, greatest coach that ever was. Uh, he says, things turn out best for the people who make the best of the way things turn out. Did you get that? Things turn out best for the people who make the best of the way things turn out. In other words, what is he saying? There's a reality of it is we're all going to sometimes go into a game we're going to lose. We're going to play our best, we're going to work hard, and we're just going to lose. Other times we're going to go out there and we're not going to play our best and we're going to lose. The, the facts are you cannot do one thing about the way things have turned out. All you can do is do the best with the way things have turned out. And um, I want to go back to Exodus chapter 15, and I want to pull out some principles uh, that we see with the children uh, uh, of Israel That uh, they constantly were up and down and up and down and up and down. And I want to talk to you and us today about how to handle the bitter waters of life. Uh, And there are times that uh, there will be better better seasons. We can think politically what's going on right now. You know, if you think of the Kavanaugh situation, if you think of other situations, um, think of somebody that's been fired, uh, somebody that's been laid off, someone that's going through uh, a health crisis or a health difficulty. You know, the truth is uh, we are all going to have to handle bitter situations in life. Sometimes they come after great victories Sometimes they come after great losses, uh, that you go from one loss to the other loss to the other loss. It seems like we move from bitter to bitter to bitter. Sometimes we move from sweet to bitter. If you look in Exodus chapter 3, if you remember that uh, we're going to be in 15, so I'm just going to work there. So you all stay in 15. I uh, don't want to confuse you guys. I know that's easy to do. Uh, remember, God shows up to Moses at the burning bush said, Moses, I want you to go down to Pharaoh. I want you to deliver my people. I, what did God say? I have heard their cries. I have listened to their prayers. My eyes have been attentive. My ears have been uh, listening to uh, the misery and the struggle that my people are in. He says, Moses, I want you to go bring the children of Israel out. I want you to take them into the promised land. Uh, God goes down through Moses and ultimately Aaron. They talk to the Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, no, uh, 10 plagues are delivered. The children of Israel leave, the promise, uh, leave Egypt headed toward the promised land. If you look in Exodus chapter 14, now we're close enough. You might want to just flip back a page. How many of you know what happens? The children of Israel leave Egypt. They are on their way to the promised land, and Pharaoh has second thoughts, right? Pharaoh says, you know what? I don't think I've really this is a good plan. Uh, I really liked having all these slaves here. Uh, Let's go get them back. And so remember, he rallies all the troops up, and that's what we see in Exodus chapter uh, 14, that Pharaoh gathers all of his chariots up, all of his troops up, and he begins to pursue the children of Israel. As they pursue the children of Israel, basically God has led them right to a place. What was the place? Where they've got the army behind them, and they've got the Red Sea in front of them right? And the children of Israel immediately begin to say, grumble against Moses, and they say, it would have been better that we would have died back in Egypt, right? And constantly through that, uh, through the book of Exodus, that's what the children of Israel were saying. They say this phrase over and over again. One of the phrases they use, and you you actually may have used it or heard the word, they say, it would have been better for us to die back in Egypt as slaves at least we sat around the flesh pots. Anybody ever heard that heard that term, flesh pots? What were they doing? That was kind of the Egyptian fondue for the slaves is what it was. Basically, here's here's the leftover meat. Sit around here, boil it up a little bit, and you can eat it. And so that's what they said to Moses. They said, Moses, him better for us to die back in Egypt than die out here. And uh, Moses uh, prays out and cries out to God. How many of you have seen the movie? You know what happens, right? Uh, The water's blown back. Uh, They walk through on dry ground. Then Moses closes the water back up. God allows the entire uh, Egyptian army to die right there, Uh, just right there. And the children of Israel do what? They sing a song. They sing a song of celebration, man, God's the best, you know, Moses, you're our favorite leader, all things are good, you know, no more Egypt, no more slavery, no more anything. And then how long does it take for them to begin to whine and gripe again? One chapter. Actually, pretty much about three verses. And that's where we find ourselves in Exodus uh, chapter um, uh, chapter 15. The children of Israel just beyond the Red Sea, and they run into a space and a place, and many of you know this, uh, they, they come to a place in verse 1 where they, where, where they sing a song, look at it, Exodus chapter 15, verse 1, God's people begin to look back on their experiences, and notice what they do, they sang a song of celebration, verse 1 says, "...then Moses and all the Israelites sang this song to the Lord." I will sing to the Lord, for He is highly exalted, both horse and driver. He has hurled into the sea. Look at verse 2. He said, The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise Him, and I will exalt Him. Man, that's a great praise chorus, right? Man, they have just, uh, they're no longer slaves. Not only are they no longer slaves, those who were pursuing them to take them back had just been destroyed by God. They write this beautiful, brand-new chorus. They sing it, and they celebrate. And how many of us first thought in our lives is we will all be better off if we will at least do what they do. You know, there are a lot of times that we don't pause and celebrate what God has done for us in our lives. We don't pause and celebrate. If you got a promotion, if you got a raise, if you've if you got a good health report, if you uh, if you've been going through chemotherapy, and all of a sudden you get that report that cancer is in remission, uh, you and I need to celebrate. Sometimes the worst thing that we can do is not celebrate. There are, there are people that journey through life, uh, and, uh, and they don't take time to pause and give God thanks for the celebration moments. And so, guys, thought number one for, for you and I today um, on handling bitter situations in our life is before you begin to complain again, have you taken the time to list the things out to God that you're grateful for? Yeah, yeah. If you only had tomorrow, what, what, what would you thank the Lord for today? Well, let me ask you a question. A lot of times, um, we as guys, I mean, we're just kind of built what? Uh, if you're like me, you're just kind of built to go on to the next thing. How many of you understand what I am? I'll just tell you, that's the way I am. About the time, yeah, yeah just, ask, just ask Scott and Justin some of these things. I'm always walking to their office talking about the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. But there are times that we need to stop and celebrate. And so, guys, let me just give you a little hint. What should you stop and celebrate and praise God for today? If you can't come up with anything, just imagine if you woke up tomorrow and begin to eliminate things in your life, if all of a sudden your marriage was gone tomorrow, do you wish you would have praised God for it today? If all of a sudden your health was gone tomorrow, would you have wished that you praised God for it today? If all of a sudden your kids were gone tomorrow, do you wish you would have praised God today? If all of a sudden your finances were gone tomorrow, your job was gone tomorrow, let me tell you what, If it's something that you would mourn tomorrow, if it was gone, it should be something we are praising God for today. Does that make sense? And so as we live today, if you're in one of those sweet celebration moments, you and I need to learn to daily to sing praises to God for the good we have and for the good He has given us. So now, uh, the second thing, notice what happened. Uh, God allows His people to go through bitter waters look, as you jump down just a few verses, let's go down to uh, uh, verse 22 to 24. It says, Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea. They've sang the song of praise. They've celebrated. They've enjoyed life. Uh, they've consecrated themselves before the God. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. Now, my guess is you've never been there. You've never hiked there, but that is a barren, lifeless desert, okay? It's just a space and a place where there's not much water. There's not much grass. There's not much anything. They have gone from a mountaintop experience to a desert season in life. Now, before you think, well, they've been out in the desert desert uh, 40 years. No, no, they hadn't been out there 40 years. It's just a couple of days journey all right? It's just a couple of days journey. But so they've gone from, I'm no longer a slave in Egypt. I've gone through the Red Sea. I've sung and celebrated to God. Now I'm having a little bit of a season of a difficult time. So it says, then Moses led the children of Israel out away from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. So they've been three days journey from the Red Sea out into the wilderness of Shur. Now, notice what it says, verse 23. It says, when they came to Merah, they could not drink the waters of Merah, for they were bitter. Now, let me just stop you right there. Um, They come to a place where there is water, all right? But the water is bitter. Can anybody think of where else you have heard essentially that name, Merah? Naomi. How many of you remember in Ruth chapter 1, verse 19 to 21, where Naomi and Ruth and the other daughter-in-law has lost everything? And Naomi goes back, remember? She goes back to her home country, and they looked up and said, Hey, there's Naomi. Naomi's lost her sons and her husband And what did she say? Don't call me Naomi, which means sweetness. She said, instead, call me what? Mara, for my life is bitter, or God has been bitter to me. That's the same idea. When Naomi changed her name, basically, she was saying, look, right here, I am filled with bitter waters. And you know, the, the truth is, there are seasons in our lives where we can go through... Some bitter times and some difficult times. And, And guys, we always have to work to make sure that when bitter waters come, we don't become bitter. I'm going to say that, guys. When bitter waters come, we don't become bitter man i will tell you as as a pastor over the years some of the what i believe are, are some of the greatest disappointments i have seen is some somebody uh, either man or woman and i've seen it in both seen some people that that the truth is god has greatly blessed them over their life but something goes wrong in their life and they don't do what john wooden did you know the people that are most successful are the ones that do the best with the way things turn out but instead they begin to focus on that one negative thing. I, I've seen in a church one negative thing. I mean, and in, in most many times it's a hard thing. Um, turn someone bitter, I mean, for the rest of their life. Turn, don't ever become bitter. Don't ever rename yourself. Because I do believe that as we look at God's Word, and we're going to see it here again, that, yeah, bitterness is going to come. As long as we live in a sinful and dark and difficult world with sinful, dark, and difficult people, uh, hard things are going to come your way. If you just think about Brett Kavanaugh, uh, where he is, and, and where he, man, you know, my prayer now is, is not that he would sit on the Supreme Court and focus on how hacked off he is, how mistreated he feels. I pray that, pray that he goes up there and he is just a great Supreme Court justice. That's what we need. Same thing for politicians or people or pastors or deacons. Uh, not so much for deacons. Uh, the, uh, you know, that's, the reality of it is we don't want to be bitter. And so notice what it says. It says, uh, they could not drink the water for they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Merah. So the people grumbled at Moses and said, what shall we drink? Man, we need to understand that uh, uh, this group is three days away from the greatest victory you you can imagine. Three days, and they grumble, and they gripe, and they complain uh, against uh, Moses. Uh, I I ran across this a couple of years ago, and I pulled it out yesterday. um, I don't know if it was a pastor or somebody in, who was obviously a business leader or something like that. He said he had noted several kind of grumblers in their lives. He says they grumbled against Moses. noted several kind of grumblers in their lives. See, uh, y'all point if, if you know someone that's like this. Uh, some people are recreational grumble, grumblers. They just enjoy grumbling about everything. It's just recreation to them. They just enjoy. Anybody know anybody like that? I mean, they just grumble. It's just recreation for them. Uh, Second kind, he said, there are some people who are aerobic grumblers. In other words, grumbling is their life, all right? It's their life. It's their exercise just to grumble and complain about something else. Someone else said, some people are broadcast grumblers. They always want to spread the word. They always want to spread the word. And my prayer is that you're none of those. And then there's another one. I I thought this was obviously some imagery here. Some people are social grumblers. Uh, They always have a group that they're going to share their bitterness with. Uh, And, you know, guys, the whole point is I don't know if you're prone to be a grumbler or not. But if you are, I'm just going to say stop it. You can you can waste a lot of good things that God brings your way in life. And you can miss a lot of good things if we sit around and grumble. If we sit around and gripe. If we sit around. I remember a number of years ago, Doug over here with his other brother, Doug. Um, but Doug, a couple of years ago, how long has it been since your precious bride um, had cancer now? Six years. Uh, I remember... Doug sitting over here. Many of y'all remember him. There were times that he would give us an update and he couldn't do it without tears running down his eyes. And uh, the beauty of Doug is he never sat around and got mad. What was his heart? His heart was broken because his wife was suffering. But he never sat around and began to complain and gripe and be bitter. He just showed up. And uh, what he would talk about is his love. Some of you other guys in here, I know you've walked down the cancer path or you've walked through some difficulties with your family. Keith back there, I think he's got a bionic neck and back now. I don't know. Like, surely they couldn't replace anything more. Uh, but, man, I mean, he, he, I remember sitting there looking at Keith. Remember the ski trip, dude? I thought you were going to die. I thought we were bringing you back in a coffin. Uh, but, man, just a pain. But, man, just not to sit back and grumble, to press forward and move on. So, now let's jump down. Notice, God's going to bring sweetness. If, if we we'll just won't grumble, if we won't gripe, God is always looking out for us. So, if you pick it up in verse 25, it says, Then Moses cried out to the Lord. All right? So, the people complained to Moses. Moses did the right thing, cried out to the Lord. Uh, what did Moses not do? Sit around and just begin to scream at the people. The people scream at Moses. That's no answer. It says, He cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. There, he said, he made for them a statute and a regulation. And here is what he said. If, everybody underline that word, if. This is a big if. It is conditional. Guys, a lot of times, and this is where I want us to hear for us, I believe everybody in here wants God's blessings. We do. And that's the whole series that I'm in right now, blessed. Eight attitudes to live with promise. But I want you to know there are some things in our lives that if we want God's blessing, they are conditional. They are conditional. Now, God will provide forgiveness and salvation to everyone who believes and everyone conf- who confesses his sin- their sin and, and trusts Christ as Savior and Lord. But I also want us to know, guys, if we want to live in the sweetness of God, there are a lot of conditional phrases in God's Word. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? Pastor. God says, if you will do this, then I will do this. Does that make sense? If you will do this, then I will do this. A lot of times, I believe a lot of God's children and a lot of God's people, we live in the then God, now it's time for you to do this, but we reject the idea of my part in the blessing. Does that make sense? And so right here, God begins to talk to the children of Israel. Now, so far, what has God done? He's heard their cries. He's sent a leader. He's brought them out. He's destroyed their enemy. He's now given them fresh water through a simple tree. And, boy, if you think about that tree, man, you look at the tree. If you look at uh, God's Word, you go from Genesis to Revelation, the tree throughout God's Word is always symbolic of life and sweetness. Man, remember Psalm 1? Blessed is the man who doesn't sit, with the, sit in the seat of the scoffers, doesn't do this. What does he say? But his fruit will come in due season, in due time. What is he saying? The tree is life. You go into the New Testament. What do we see about the tree? Certainly there was a tree that Jesus was nailed to, but what did Peter say? He died on that tree as a payment for our sins. So we need to understand that as we look from beginning to end, the tree is representative. Of God bringing life to his people. But notice the if then. He says, if, pick it up, verse 25 and 26, he says, and he said, if you will be, listen to this, if you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord your God, and you can also put another if in there, and if you do what is right in his sight, and if you give ears to his commandments, then, here's the conditional part, then I will put none of the diseases on you which I have put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your God. And he uses the word Rapha. It's the Hebrew word healer. He says, I'm your healer. So God delivers right there as he's beginning to teach the children of Israel. He's, they've, already, they've already seen God uh, bring them out of slavery through the Red Sea turn bitter waters into sweet waters, and God decides, now's a good time to start teaching these people because I've been giving and I've been giving and I've been giving. And let me tell you what, God is a giving, gracious, loving God. But God also comes and shows up in our lives from time to time and says, all right, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up in your faith and grow up in your spirit and stop just taking and start giving. And so, guys, if we want blessings in our life and not bitterness, let's just take this condition right here. And God said, if you will give earnest heed to the voice of the Lord, let me ask you a question. When's the last time you've paused and you've stopped and you said, God, what would you have me do? What would you have me do? When is the last time, guys, we have paused and stopped And say, God, not my will, but your will. So, guys, if we want God to give us blessings, sweet blessings, we need to get in a habit of that. God, what would you have me do? How would you have me respond? What would you have me, how would you have me act? Then the next thing, notice what it says. He said, give earnest heed to the word of the Lord. He says, and if you do what is right in his sight. Let me ask you a question. As you journey through life and you think about what you say and what you do and how you interact with other people, how often do you say, how would God want me to handle this situation? Or perhaps if it's in a business dealing, what's the right thing? Not what can I get away with, but what's the right thing? And then there's a third one here, and uh, he says, give ear to my commandments. What are some of the commandments that we have in Scripture? We're told to worship, we're told to honor God, we're told to pray, we're told to love thy neighbor, Uh, we're told to tithe, Uh, we're told to serve others, we're told to be givers, right? We're told to do all of those things. But all of those things require action and response. And then he says, if you will do that, Lord, the Lord your God is Rapha, is the healer. He is the Lord your God. Man, 1 Peter 2, verse 24 is the verse I was thinking of a while ago. It says, He Himself bore our sins in His body on a cross that we might die to sins and live to righteousness. Did you get all of that? That's the if-then. He says, He bore our sins on the tree, on the cross, that we would die to sin and live to righteousness. As you think about your attitude your heart and your life, Do you uh, constantly die to sin and live to righteousness? Do you consciously look to do the right thing and give heed uh, to God's word and God's blessings? Then as you begin to journey on, he says, then I am Rafa, your healer. So as you think about it, let me give you a next thought. Look down, jump down to verse 27. Uh, You know, I do believe this. I do believe this, guys, that if we are faithful and we follow God, that we will be refreshed. I believe it. I believe it. Now, there is a reality because of where we are right now that that sometimes, depending on your age or the way your body is eaten up with a certain, uh, certain form of disease, your refreshing might come when you open your eyes up in heaven. We understand that is a reality of life. But I also believe... I strongly believe in God's Word that if a man of God, and I'm talking to you guys, if a man of God will live faithfully before the Lord, regardless of how deep or long or or difficult a season of bitterness is in our life, if we will stay faithful, we will find the sweet waters of God's righteousness and God's love in our lives if we don't quit and give up. I will also tell you I've been here long enough as a pastor that I've watched a bunch of good men give up on their walk with God because they went through a difficult season. Maybe they lost their business or they lost their job or they lost a marriage or they lost a relationship and, and, and they just kind of give up and quit. And I'm going to encourage you not to do that because I strongly believe and I think God's Word backs it up and history backs it up. If you and I will simply stay faithful to doing the right thing, God will make our bitter water sweet again. I strongly believe that. Notice as we pick up in verse 27, it says, Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy date palms. Man, as you think about it, and they camped there beside the waters. Now, victory in leaving Egypt, victory at the Red Sea, song... Three days' journey, bitter waters. They could have camped at bitter waters. Let me just tell you, they would have become accustomed to bitter waters. Eventually, you would enjoy it, right? Anybody ever seen Bear grills as he's out there doing and, and some of the things that he ends up eating? And if you've seen them all, some of the things he ends up drinking, how many of you know what I'm talking about? All right, you say, no way, put yourself out in the middle of the desert, there'd be a lot of things that you would eat and there would be a lot of things you would drink and you would learn to deal with it. But the key when you find yourself at bitter waters is to keep going with God. Because look at verse 27. It says, After they left Merah, then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water and 70 date palms, and they camped there. What does it mean? They went through a small season of bitterness, but since they kept going, they found themselves in an oasis. And so, guys, if you find yourself in a season of bitterness right now, I want to encourage you to keep going. Don't get bitter. Make your journey. Your oasis is just ahead. Hey, let me just ask a question. Anybody in here? And show of hands if you want to. You really feel like you're in some bitter waters right now. There's some bitter waters. Anybody? Yeah, I'm, I'm seeing some hands come up. And um, bitter waters. All I can encourage you is to live conditionally. You do what is right. You heed God's commands. You do what God would want you to do. Then you begin to press on and follow Him and try to move from your bitterness into your sweetness. Now, I've got a couple of things. I'm trying to decide if I need to hold them over at 7 o'clock. Uh, I'll come back. I'll bring these next point, next thoughts uh, next week. But uh, I want to encourage you just to turn with each other. Um, and if you've got something on your heart, it's 7 o'clock, so I know some of you have to leave and go to work. Uh, if, if you've got something on your heart you want people to pray, just, just spout it out in one or two words. Uh, don't, don't take 20 minutes to share your prayer request because some guys have to go to work. Just say, my relationship with my son. Boom. That's all you need to say. You don't need to go into dis- detail. So everybody turn there, and I want to encourage just someone to pray uh, before you leave, and I encourage you to head to your oasis.